Here we go. Folks, this is your host Cameron Ivy of Privacy Please, and thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. If this is your first time, welcome to the show. Tell your friends about it if you like it. If you don't, let's just pretend you didn't listen to it. Thanks again for coming in, and we hope you enjoy the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Privacy Please. I am your host Cameron Ivy, and with me, as always, my co-host Gabe Gums. How you doing, Gabe? Well, I'm well. How are you? I am good. It's uh, just another week, another day, another life. Going, going somewhere. <laughs> so we have we have a really good guest today, uh, Wally Bateau. He's a data security guru at Seclure. Uh, Wally, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hi, guys. Wally, a real pleasure to have you here. So you and I go back just a little bit of ways, but for our for our listeners, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. I mean, probably a good segue. You know, I've spent um, over 30 years in the, the enterprise content management space or ECM. Um, so basically, a, a space where a lot of unstructured content is being stored and managed, where large enterprises and financial services, um, pharmaceuticals across the board are really leveraging tools like that, which includes business process management or the ability to leverage this unstructured data in some type of a, a workflow and pattern. Um, and that industry really has evolved from, you know, being a back office type of solution where you have all your employees underneath the single roof to now one where you need to collaborate to the outside world. And so that created some challenges because these solutions, you know, whether that's ECM or CRM or, or, or um, ERP or virtual data rooms, all of those types of applications provide a great security um, overlay to ensure only the right people can get to the information. However, all of those same solutions allow users to download information and share it externally. And that's been kind of the new wave where you need to you know, basically collaborate with the outside world to just get your everyday workflows accomplished. And by doing so, you're, you're putting your information at, at risk. And, and so that was kind of the segue when I moved from ECM over to Seclure, where now we talk about data-centric security, and it really has a, a nice overlap to solutions such as ECM. It's interesting. So I've, uh, I've been familiar, mostly in the peripheral with ECM for a while. What were the primary business challenges that ECM originally set out to, to solve for? Well, well, one is 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 to you know store all content underneath a single roof, right? So you have control of it with security. Right, so now now you have this this information all underneath one repository, and then you have tools like business process management that allows you to now move that information from desk to desk digitally or electronically. So when you think of you know financial services where you might be doing an a um, insurance uh, or a claim, let's say um, claim processing or loan origination, all of those go through some type of a, of a process flow. And BPM allows that to happen in a very expedited way. So it's just controlling everything. Um, but again, very much a back office type of product. Yeah, and so I, that, that's kind of where I thought we were going with that. And, and the challenges around 
data security today have certainly evolved well beyond that back office. So when you're talking to customers uh, and, and other folks trying to solve for these problems now that we've moved on from those being just central in the back, so what are some of the things that you're seeing? Yeah, so, you know, you look, and, and really it's every industry. It really doesn't matter where they must collaborate externally. So um, so you either have, you have two options, right? You either bring everybody into your bubble, right? Which is typically um, not something that can be accomplished, right? Or it becomes too expensive. Um, so what happens is users will identify methods by which they're going to get their job done, whether that's leveraging maybe their own, you know, Dropbox account or sending emails out. Um, they need to collaborate. And so they're going to go and get their job done in, in some manner, which typically is, is creating some risk to um, some of the, the IP or the sensitive data that's being shared. And what you just described is a problem that the DLPs of the world long tried to solve. And while they still serve a very important place in the world today, I think there were some shortcomings there that, uh, that, that from an innovation perspective, your organization has really tried to get a handle on. What's that look like for your team? So, you know, when you look at discovery tools, you know, like DLP, as you mentioned, or even CASB now, you're, you're really brought down to two options, right? You either stop the data from leaving the, the desktop, the device, or leaving the cloud application, or you let it go and you monitor it, right? And so now when you fall into the monitoring side of, of, of the house, what you're basically providing your customers is a great reporting mechanism, right? We now can tell you where your data's gone. Um, we can give you some alerts and, and we can and kind of, you know, ensure that we understand what's happening to the data once it's left of an egress point. Um, the problem there is that the data's left, right? So it kind of puts customers into the chasing game, chasing their own data, chasing their own bad actors. You know, it's interesting there, and I don't know if it was a bit of a Freudian slip, but you, you lump DLPs into the discovery space of which some of them certainly do perform those capabilities, but I think what you just highlighted is really that that's that's the uh, that's the bailiwick of trying to understand where that data has gone, um, or or where it's headed. In in fact, so talk to us a bit more about Seclora. Then, how do you guys approach this problem? So you know, the idea is is you know we're going to put you know instead of worrying about protecting a network or an application or a device, we're going to make the perimeter the data itself, right? So anywhere the data travels, we make sure it's always protected and that's beyond just encryption. So when you think of encryption, it's really on or off technology, right? If, if I send you a document, Gabe, that's encrypted and I want you to collaborate with me, I need to give you the key. And once you unlock it, I have lost all control over what you're doing and I have no visibility. The difference with data-centric security is, although encryption is a part of it, we continue to control what you're doing with that information while it's still encrypted and while it's in use. So I can control if you can access it and who else you can share it with. I can control what you're going to do with the information. Can you just view it or edit it or copy or print, et cetera? Um, I can control how long you have access to the information. You know, uh, an M&A is a great example when you think of a mergers and acquisition with a due diligence period, uh, the ability to say, I don't want you seeing my financials after the due diligence period is over. So time bombing is a, a crucial component. And then last but not least is location-based controls. Perhaps I, 
I'll let you open documents when you're within the U.S., but not when you leave uh, the confines of, of the U.S. So those are the very granular controls that are all layered on top of encryption. And once the information is protected with these controls, it's also traceable. So I know what's happening to the information, what you're doing with the information, et cetera. So I guess we can kind of transition into what you kind of talked about offline, Wally, and talking about changing the conversation on how we look at protecting data. Why don't we dive a little bit in, in, into that and your sure. thoughts on it? So, so as I kind of mentioned earlier, when you think of some of the DLP and CASB tools, um, you're basically forced to stop locking, but just monitoring, right? So you're monitoring the data. We like to work with solutions like Spirion where we can complement one another. What we don't do is any of the discovery. We don't, we don't do that, right? We're all about protection and enforcing protection and having an auditable compliance report, right? So working with Spirion, we now can allow you to do all the great things that your product does in terms of understanding the data and doing the discovery, whereby one of the actions is now protection or seclorate. We like to use seclore as a verb. Um, and, and so that's where we see changing the conversation when we're talking to customers is no longer talking about how we can give you nice alerts and reports on data that's left the building. We can now protect the information based on the, the business logic within your offering. And now the reports are about how data is being used versus abused. So, you know, that's the whole conversation change. Is that uh, the seclouring? Is that patent pending? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's super interesting. Why, why don't we dive a little bit further into that? You know, why why do you think it's so much different compared to anything else that, that's out there when it comes to, why hasn't anybody else done something like this where you're protecting the data around the data instead of... Well, you know, and I might throw this over to Gabe since that's not yeah. what we play, right? But, you know, what we've seen is, is it's been... Um, it's, it's been what we've always done, right? I mean, every, and again, I'll pick on DLP, but every DLP vendor that we work with, you know, they all have kind of six of one, half a dozen of, of the other of, of feature function, but ultimately they're forcing their customers to do the same thing, right? Which is go chase your data. I could give you great reports, alerts, and all that. Um, and I think it's just been the way it's always been. And I think until something like rights management can come into play where now you can protect the data versus monitor the data, it's now starting to open people's eyes, right? It changes the whole perspective of how a customer would go ahead and deploy the technology. In fact, it, it even can accelerate, right? So when you think of DLP and, and kind of the, those are traditionally long deployment cycles, um, you spend a lot of time, which is, you know, decisions by committee on, you know, how do I identify my, my data? How do, once I identify it, what should I do? Quarantine it, stop it, send it, monitor it. All these decisions and all these gray areas cause for large cycles of retesting because typically I'm going to make it so tight at the beginning that everything's an exception. And now I need a, you know, a group of people to handle all these exceptions. And then I start to be lax in my rules to the point where maybe DLP is really not doing what it's supposed to do. So I need to find that happy medium. And what we say is make your default action seclore it, right? So just seclore the data um, when you're unsure of what to do. In worst cases, you have protected information that's, that's left the building. And this can accelerate those types of discovery deployments immensely. 
Gabe, I know I was going to turn it to you and then I wouldn't shut up. So go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not sure what else to add to that. I think you are, I, I think yeah, everything you say, certainly what, what, uh, what I may have said there as well, too, um, maybe not even not quite that elegantly. You did, you did touch on something, though, which is worth highlighting. Um, so, yeah, our, our technologies are very symbiotic in that, in that manner. And we found as well, too, that uh, when trying to solve for this problem in particular, um, it has been very useful to be able to have a control such as Azure technology in place that works hand in hand with with our larger discovery classification and and protection capabilities also. Yeah, you oh. know the other thing I found and and you know it's kind of like when you you think about those when the light bulbs go off like what's been your proudest moment when you know you think you've really hit hit home right and I I remember having a conversation with one of the CISOs at a very large organization and I kind of talked through this changing conversation and really stop chasing your data. And we have a way to do that. And there was a big pause in our conversation. And it was like, you know what, that's what we're doing. We're, we're chasing our data and we're chasing our bad actors. And I almost could see like the light went, went on. So I think those are kind of like the, the moments as you could probably attest, Gabe, where, where you feel good about your technology when you can completely change the way they're doing their business in such a positive way. I'm curious, you know, being that this year has been such a challenge for a lot of companies, Wally, what do you think the the most the toughest challenge for Seclor and yourself have faced this year, and how have you overcome it? Sure. Well, I think we've been fortunate. I think like you guys have, which is, you know, we're security products, right? And security doesn't tend to get cut, right? So it may get shrunk, it may get delayed, um, which were, those were our challenges. But you know, you need the security. And I think what's really uh, been advantageous, if you can use such a word in this COVID craziness, is the fact that everybody's working from home. So, you know, when I gave my, my earlier um, example of, of how we're starting to collaborate to the outside world, well, now our whole inside world and enterprise is no longer around one roof or under one roof. So, you know, just dealing with our own employees, you have to share information externally. And in some cases, they're on unmanaged devices, they're downloading it to personal computers, they're figuring out a way to get their job done. And so this makes it an even more important aspect of why data-centric security is so required. I, I don't know if you went into it, but I heard you say it, but uh, what, what has been your proudest moment in your career in security? Yeah, it was, it was funny. I was kind of giving an example earlier, and I, I think it's it's when you um, when you can turn the light bulb on to somebody, right? Where they just get it, and your your kind of approach and what you're bringing to the table just all of a sudden changes their whole mindset. And so, mm-hmm. I think those are the powerful moments where um, you, you're actually going to see a, a major disruption in such a positive way on how they can leverage technologies, and that's really. What, what my goal has always been is to kind of figure out ways to kind of complement other technologies with ours, where you get that, you know, one plus one equals three kind of uh, s- scenario. And, and to me, that's, that's kind of makes your job fun when you can have that type of impact. Great point. You know, it, it makes me think like it's that challenge that a lot of security companies may have when they're at a, a conference and you're, you're basically trying to talk about your product and a lot of it can sound the same. It's like, well, everybody does that. And I think when you come up with something that kind of clicks with that person that you're talking to, whoever it is, to let them know this is why we're different, that could be special 
it's it's but it's also challenging. I think it'd be challenging because everybody in the security space can do a lot of similar things. It's just because a lot of the terms are very similar and the yeah, same. Well, I so. think, you know, and I think the challenge is, and and I know we're all techies here, but you you have a tendency to make to make it a technical conversation. And I think to the extent you can talk use cases and try not to even mention technology is when it resonates the most, right? Um, and so I, I think we're all kind of at fault to some degree on that, but that's what we try to do is focus on real live use cases, not edge cases, everyday use cases where this technology is required. Yeah, agreed. Gabe, did you have anything on any of those topics? I think for me, what I wanted to double click into a little bit more was that, that difference maker, right? To the points that we're, we're discussing here, a lot of technologies all sound the same. A lot of the problems uh, are the same, though. So when looking at that problem differently, uh, Wally, what, what, is, what is the, the if you had to distill it down into one item, what is the thing that really makes the way you solve that problem different? Well, um, boy, that's loaded. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes it's, it's compliance-driven, right? Sometimes it's, it's um, sometimes it's the fact that there's been a major breaches, right? And they're just, you know, customers are trying to get a handle on this, right? So, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's um, trying to gain better insights into your information, right? So as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, in many cases, DLP, uh, CASB will kind of tell you about how your data is being abused, right? How it's left and go find it, go stop it, right? Where, you know, with, with rights management, you can now see how your data is being used and in many cases in a positive way. And it gives you much deeper insights. All that information can be leveraged by any AI tool or SIM offering. Um, so, so it really gives some purposeful information versus chasing your data, right? So I didn't quite answer it, Gabe, but I mean, there's a number of, of, of reasons as to what, what drives um, our, our solutions and, and the requirements around them. Um, hopefully that gave you some feel. No, it did. It, it does occur to me in, in my almost two-decade tenure now, rights management is seeing quite a resurgence. And I believe that has a lot to do with the ubiquitous nature of the internet. Before we, we had that uh, interconnectivity that allowed us to be able to, I don't want to use the word phone home, but to, but to be able to perform you know, authentication authorization from anywhere, anytime, Rights management was a bit of a challenge to implement on an enterprise scale. Is there anything other than the ubiquity of the internet that has kind of made rights management this viable? And not that it wasn't viable before, but again, this resurgence that we're seeing in, in its applicability to these problems. Yeah, no, you did hit on one one big point, right? And 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 you know, because rights management was around what 15, 20 years ago, and then it kind of yeah. all died died off, and now it's it's making a big resurgence. That's truly one part of it. And I think, you know, also not all rights management offerings are created equal. And, and some of the things that we believe are important is what we call the anyness factor. So there's another patent there, Cam. Um, but the, the kind of uh, anyness capability as it relates to any device that, you know, that can leverage a protected document, leverage any browser, any, any file type, um, any um, user identities, you know, so... We have to live in, in a much bigger world, I'll say, outside of Microsoft, right? So we have to live in, in the Apple world, and we have to live in, in some of these um, applications that are not Microsoft-centric. So 
it's critical that you have one, that anyness factor. The, the other thing that we also believe was important is automation. So that was a problem in the past too, where some of the tools that you'll see on the market are trying to make it really easy for an end user to make a decision around security. And that to me just doesn't scale, right? How are you going to take you know, 50,000 users and get them all trained on understanding how they should look and view information and make the right decision on how to protect it consistently. It just doesn't happen. So what we drive is automation, but automation is primarily driven by some of the connectivity we have. And that's the third piece, which is integratability um, with partners like, like Spirion, right? So that, you know, you can determine and discover what sensitive information is there and you make the call, automate protection, and you keep the decision-making out of the user's hands. So, you know, those things between ease of integration to other products like Spirion, automating it so you take the user out of the equation, and then the anyness factor is what has really allowed Seclore to, to develop very nicely. Anyness factor, that's a great way to describe it. I like that. I like that a lot. So, Wally, what are the future plans? What's, what's 2021 and beyond look like for Seclore? So if, if you go on those three things I talked about, anyness, automation, um, and integratability, is we try to continue down that paradigm with those themes. How do we continue to make it you know, more and more seamless to work with products like Spirion? And, and I think that's what we found was a, a very simple method to integrate. We have an endpoint framework that's very easy to talk to and you have a, a solution that's easy to script from and just make calls. And so, you know, the integration was, was really something that was rather simple, um, but yet very powerful. And so what we try to do is continue down those paths where we don't want to be an island of technology. We walk into an organization, an enterprise, and they have myriad applications and security solutions that we have to complement. So we have to be ready to, to either, either accept one way or the other API calls out or, or, or in to allow those solutions to really be tightly coupled seamlessly. Good answer. Is, now, is there anything that uh, we did not bring up that, that you'd like to kind of talk about before we move on? Well, the only thing, and that's, it's, it's news to, to me, and I'm going to give you an ability to talk to this, Gabe, is, is, you know, we're starting to see more and more of these, you know, app centers or marketplaces. And I think, you know, this could be a great method for our joint customers to test the waters. Um, and I'll let you talk about it here in a second, Gabe, but, you know, we have the ability to do a, a, a very simple self-running um, trial, right? So customer can can just go out there and, and see what happens when a document had been discovered and protected by Spirion's rules um, and what the experience looks like to them. And it can all come right from your marketplace. So there's a little plug, Gabe. I don't know if there's anything else related to that. No, indeed. That, that, is, that is a good plug. We appreciate that. So uh, uh, Seclord and, and ourselves have been working closely together for some time. We've got uh, we're solving some really interesting problems for for some customers today. It's uh, it's quite a very healthy relationship, and and you know from our customers' perspective, it's it's again it's really bringing together the best of data security and data privacy. And spoiler alert: yes, we will be launching a marketplace here in just a couple of weeks. And from said marketplace, yeah, you'll be able to check out um, what what this integration in particular also looks like up close and in person. Get get your hands all. Get your hands all, all dirty on, on it. So we'll definitely put some more stuff in the show notes there to uh, talk a bit more about that and point people in the right place where they want to get some more information. 
Hopefully that wasn't a spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> I guess you can cut that part. Catch out the bag while you are. <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, and if this is, I mean, we can edit this out, but. No, there's no editing. You, we, we tell everyone that. We can yeah. edit. Nothing gets edited. There's no edit button. <laughs> so what. What does it mean for companies that are trying to go SaaS? Is there is there a difference for having an integration like Secure with an on-prem compared to something that's in the cloud? Well, I mean, our approach has been we don't care, right? So, so we have to play Switzerland. We we can be on-prem, we can be in the cloud, we can be a hybrid, we can work with solutions that are hybrids. Um, the point being is we're all about protecting the data wherever it is. And if we need to work with tools like CASBs in cloud applications, we, we do that today, right? If we need to work at endpoints um, and, and devices, we can do that today. So um, that really doesn't matter to, to us where the technology is. We still see a combination. I mean, there's still a lot of financial services that are still a little bit concerned about putting everything into the cloud or, or losing control of the keys to, to the encryption um, capabilities. So mm-hmm. we'll still see hybrid solutions that won't go away anytime soon. Okay. And I'll do one more serious question here. We You had mentioned compliance back, and we don't have to dive into compliance in particular, but I'm just more curious if we can go a little down that road. Sure. Um, because it was one of your topics that you brought up that you could help solve um, one of the problems. What, what, what's an example of that? So we'll, we'll pick the, I don't know, one of the alphabet soup, GDPR, right? So <laughs> um, GDPR, you know, ultimately needs the ability to be forgotten, right? So examples right. are, you know, we can at any point in time that a protected document has been sent out, it can be revoked. So at any point in time, I can just kill access to anything that's protected. You know, part of the protection is the ability to prove that things are protected, to prove um, how information is being used, to prove who might have tried accessing certain information or who did access information. And all of that gets stored in the audit trail. So that's where the compliance reporting comes in. And again, you can pick your three or four letter acronym. Um, they ultimately need to be able to prove that, yes, this information is protected. Yes, only these individuals were able to access it. And I can prove that with very you know, forensic, detailed reports. Well, um, that's pretty much it for me. Gabe, do you have anything before we? I think that covers a lot of territory. That's a lot. Yeah, of it does. Yeah, oh, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Let's, uh, let's get into the fun stuff. All right. Wally, let's get to know you. Get a little more private. <laughs> Be careful what you ask. <laughs> hey, that's what it's all about. Um, so on the count of three, I want you to name your favorite dinosaur. One, two, three. Dino. What is it? Dino. Dino, what's that? I don't even know what that is. Dino the dinosaur from Fred Flintstone. Dino. Oh, Dino. Oh, the dinosaur. Dino. <laughs> Gosh, that went way over my head. Judges, judges I was, will allow it. I was, I'll allow that, absolutely. I was looking for like T-Rex or... Ju- the judges you straight to it. Uh, I love it. Okay. You you beat me on that one. I couldn't even say the question without laughing. <laughs> Maybe it's, uh, it's beat before your time, Cam. <laughs> I know Flintstones, though. It's taking Bulbasaur. <laughs> Still got vitamins, yeah. Hey, I used to watch, uh, what was the TV show with, um, I think it was called Dinosaurs. They were like the weird oh, puppet yeah. yes. looking. They were wearing full suits. Yes, with the, the mean little baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody knows the, the baby. Anyways. 
Uh, what's your favorite seat on an airplane? First class. First class. <laughs> okay. Thing, not just AC. Wally wants the whole thing. <laughs> I get the entire first class. Everybody goes to the back. I've actually been on a plane once that my wife and I were the only two passengers. It was pretty crazy. Really? Was it uh, Spirit? <laughs> no, no, it was a uh, it was a real it was a real airplane. <laughs> um, they uh, you know, they had the typical delays and craziness and swapping and all that, and everybody went their separate ways. And it was just you know, my wife and I, so it was pretty crazy. I don't think I've ever been on a plane. I I love it though when you have scattered seats and you know it's not going to get filled, so you can sit and put your Spread bag on all the seats. Yeah. And yeah, it's the best. What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, you know. I guess sports sports is the thing that um, my wife will say I'm guilty of spending way too much time focusing on. So, but I love it. That's most NFL's here and I love it. She's like, Oh, and you got to shut it down. I'm I'm, I'm football to baseball. Yeah. She hates it. Now I can agree with her. I don't want it to happen, but it's like, (laughs) you know, you, you, you shut down all these small businesses, you know, and they certainly can control to the best they can but you're letting NFL teams go out there and play and they're making millions, right? And these small businesses are just trying to get by and pay their mortgage. So it's kind of unfair, but I still like football. Hey, sports is huge. It's a, yeah. Anyways, I totally understand. And I'm right there with you. Yeah. My Chicago bears are in first place. Yeah, they are man with a good old. They they shouldn't be. (laughs) They could easily be. They got a good defense, though. Dub Bears. Dub Bears. They got a good defense. Um, Hey, if the Bills lose tonight, the Dolphins will be tied for first place and the Patriots will be in third Uh, place. Wow. I don't know who to root for. I was going to root for the Bills because I just – I don't want to see the Chiefs keep keep winning, so. Yeah, I know, but I don't like the Bills at all, so go Chiefs. (laughs) I'm a Dolphins fan, (laughs) clearly. Um. Oh, this is a good one. What's a uh, what's the craziest fashion you ever rocked? Could have been in high school, college. Well, that goes way back, but oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, probably the craziest would have been. Um, I don't even know if you know this, Gabe. Hopefully, you do. A Nehru jacket. So, it was a Nehru jacket. Do you know what a Nehru jacket is? How do I know what it is? I still have one. That's not crazy at all. How's that? So great? I mean, that's back when you had the polyester suits and stuff. So I had a cool Nehru jacket and I had the cool, what's, what's the Nehru jacket for the youngsters? I guess. Nehru, I don't know. It is a type of style that originated in India, named after its first prime minister. It almost what, looks priestly, right? If you button it all the way up, it would look priestly, like with yeah, the little white collar. Kind of like something that probably, uh, what's his name would wear? Um, Gabe. Prince, Prince would wear it. <laughs> Prince might wear something like that, or I don't know, every single traditional Indian garb. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we, we had the 70s outfits with the big platform shoes growing up, so yeah. There we go. I want to bring those back. I'm, not, I'm a little salty that... Uh, that the that, best was the one with the goldfish in the heel. I don't know yes, if you've seen that. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you have it. You got to go check out. I'm going to get you sucker. It's a classic. <laughs> so, Wally, what's something you can't cook? Just can't do it. Comes um, out awful every time. I don't know, because I only cook what I can cook. Which <laughs> That's is the limited, right answer, by the way. <laughs> which is limited. I don't I don't know. 
I, I don't have an answer for that. I microwave doesn't count either. Can't even make that up. I mean, all I do is find stuff I can figure out. So, all right, that's fair. Uh, biggest pet peeve? Um, probably lateness. You know, I don't know. Probably just be stuck in your Just be on time. You know, it's old yeah. school stuff. Be on time. It's about the respect. Yeah. You learn that as you get older and older. That's all it really is. It's about yeah, thanks for the, Thanks for that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, my power went out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, what's your most um, uh, used emoji for texting? I don't. You don't use any? I don't. It'll come up by itself. I'm not into any of that, right? So I might do, and I'm not even a big one on that, where I do the colon, you know, paren, and it creates a smiley by itself, but I don't do it. It's a smiley face. Because part of it is if I do do it, then (laughs) if my wife doesn't have the same emoji, because she's got a different type of phone, then it comes up all weird, and then it's a a discussion. (laughs) So (laughs) it's easier to leave it out. (laughs) Fair enough. Uh, do you have any kids, or not kids, but um, do you have any brothers or sisters? Uh, yeah, I have a sister. Yeah. Did you do anything as kids where you did something wrong and you pinned it on her? Uh, no. No. It was just okay. the opposite. It was, was the opposite. <laughs> she did it to you. I was the baby, and so I was always the one that was, you know, who are they going to believe, right? Not me. Right. <laughs> I Yeah, I was the baby as well out of four, and I... I got uh, picked on all of them by all of them. Fun times. Well, Wally, that's pretty much it for me. I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And it was really awesome to learn more about Seclure. And it sounds like, sounds like it's going to be just an awesome integration tool for, for protecting that data around the data. So yeah, we're hoping um, to get jump started right now. So cool. Thanks absolutely. for having me. Yeah. Gabe. Um, I know an absolute pleasure. It's been, uh, it's been great working with you and the team. We look forward to doing more of it. Terrific, guys. Well, you have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you absolutely. Too. You too. We'll talk soon. Yes. Thanks, Wally. We'll see you. Bye. I just wanted to thank all of you out there for tuning in each and every week and to all of our amazing guests for coming on. I, I know that there are millions of other shows and it means the world to have you with us on this journey. We are so grateful that you choose to listen to us each and every week. If you like the show, tell a friend, have them tell their friends, and then make maybe make some new friends along the way uh, so we can continue to spread the word and keep learning together. Let's protect what matters most. And by the way, DJ, can you go ahead and drop that outro beat and keep it classy? We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>